We want to help 10,000 offices, 10,000 offices build a clinic gym hybrid. If we can support them in any way, we will. But the reason for that is a clinic gym hybrid is the evidence-informed method to get people out of pain and keep them out of pain long-term. If you look at all the research, one word comes up more than any other when it comes to musculoskeletal conditions, and that is exercise. So why aren't people getting better? A second question to ask is why aren't musculoskeletal providers the highest paid professionals if that's the number one issue facing most people in America? We're here to change that. We want to help 10,000 offices open up their own clinic gym hybrid, and we want them to run a business model that's profitable and easy to manage. That is a membership-based business if I've ever heard one. But that's why we put on this podcast. That's why we do our live events, and that's why we sell our coursework and our education all at clinicgymhybrid.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm, it's my pleasure today be, to be joined by Dr. Alan Miner. Alan, how are you? Doing great. How about you, Doc? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, so you're calling in from beautiful state of Texas, I think you said. Yep. And uh, I, you are a, uh, you're like a, the Tony Stark of chiropractic, you know, what does he say? Like, uh, uh, what does he say? Billionaire genius philanthropist or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, that's the goal. Not, not there yet, but working on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you have done a lot of things and, and certainly run, run some practices and some other businesses. What I wanted to talk to you today about was um, you are a big part of Cairo Mashmakers. And yeah. I, I want to kind of dive into kind of how that started and, and what you offer people. But also, you guys have re- recently made a, what would you say, a slight update to the business model with this VCA, this virtual CA thing. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, man, I think that's going to be an integral part of future practices. I, I think there's all these, you know, like in COVID, we kind of saw how we used to do things and now how we do, you know, how we can do them. And yep. I think that VCA program is definitely part of what we can do. But can you give everybody a little background, a little clinical history of, you know, where you started and what it was like yeah. to? Yeah, for sure. I'll work forward back. Um I read something last year that was talking about Silicon Valley is going to look different in about five years because of AI and mm. virtual assistants. Mm. And it caught my eye as, as an entrepreneur. And essentially what the article was saying was in Silicon Valley, traditionally you go raise a couple million dollars on a startup. You'd mm. hire five or six people, pay them $200,000 each. And they had about a year to make something viable enough that then they could get a 10 or $15 million investment. And you know, that was the runway. And they're saying now when somebody really learns how to use AI and a virtual assistant, they can essentially one person can do what six people were doing. And instead of the 2 million raise, they can do it on 30, $40,000. So they're like, it's going to look really differently now down the road in Silicon Valley is trying to figure out what are we going to do? Cause we might get cut out of the deal because people can now yeah. scale businesses. So that was the first step. Um, and so then to bring that back, um, I'm originally from New Mexico, went to chiropractic school at Parker in Dallas. Um, I live here now with my family. We have three teenage kids that are all uh, dancers, ballet dancers. And, um, my wife, Wendy, um, we lived in New Mexico for a long time and uh, mm-hmm. opened my first large practice there right out of school. Um, it was one of those big behemoth 1100 a week practices that was a blast in a lot of ways and a nightmare in a lot of other ways. Um, and, and so anyways, but it was a great, you know, PhD in, in, in business nonetheless. Uh, we sold that business and then I started this entrepreneurial path, opening other clinics, um, opening other businesses outside of chiropractic. But in more that from a, more from a business owner than a treating physician on site. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sold that practice, got out of practice. Then we had a couple of practices fail. I think we were up to four or five at that point. We had two fail. 
And um, a couple, two things happened there that were a turning point. One, I wasn't in practice, so I didn't have a place to train people. So I actually then went back into a, a practice mm. that we use as we use for a training center for a number of years before I stepped back out about three years ago. Um, but I, I always had this dream of opening multiple clinics, and I realized the people part was what was, you know, a little ambiguous because I had some practices with great teams that were exploding, and other practices with teams that really struggled. And so I got really interested in, okay, it's too expensive. You know, it was at least on the low side, $300,000 to have a clinic fail. I was like, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So I started analyzing like what makes these teams work and what made these teams fail. And, and I came to learn that there's a lot you can do with cognitive and behavioral profiles. And, and what I learned is everybody's heard of the the lower rung of tasks of disc and Colby and Myers Brig and strength finders. Yeah. There's some neat tools out there, but what I actually learned, Josh, was there's this whole other layer that like the fortune 100 companies use. And they're a lot more insightful. They're a lot more scientifically research based. You can use them in hiring their EEOC compliant. And so I started delving into that for my own, my own businesses out of my own scar tissue, trying to avoid failure and pain and slowly, um, um, a business was born out of that. They became Kyra Matchmakers, and so we've done. CAA. So it wasn't the 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 outlook of Kyra Matchmakers didn't start out as, hey, I want to find somebody that can work these work in this location or cover this job. It was, how do we find somebody who would match the? Uh, I'm trying <laughs> was, to think the core values, was, the drive, and everything of the. Of the team that's in place already, right? Because they're likely going to join in place, and then, and then, can we backfill the times or coverage we need? You know, at first it was, how do I not have another office fail? And then, like a lot of chiropractors, I had two extremes in those two clinics that you might appreciate, Josh. I had one clinic where the guy was a was an old patient who um, I had opened a practice and I talked him into coming back into Albuquerque to open a practice. And he's a hardcore entrepreneur. I didn't know what that meant, but this happens to chiropractors. He got out of the gate in six months. He really got a lot, got the practice above 150 visits. It was profitable. And then he promptly gave me two weeks notice because he was leaving to go buy another practice and move out of state. And, and I was blindsided. Same time, another doc who'd helped me build this 1100 a week practice that I kind of felt this odd loyalty that maybe I needed to get him off on his own way. And we sent him, we sent 300 patients to him and, and within a year he'd run it into the ground and then opened up a block down the street, took the CA, took the patients. And I, it was yeah. kind of the two extremes. One was a true entrepreneur and the other was what we call now a caregiver. And and actually 70, 80% of chiropractors are wired as caregivers. And it's why when he was off on his own, he just was great at providing care under this umbrella. But when when we tried to build a business around him, it didn't work. Uh -huh. And so um, you know, it, it, that I didn't know those things. And then I learned you can measure that before you you know marry somebody, so to speak, coming into business with you. And so that was just being applied to my clinics. That was my secret. But I started having chiropractors I knew in different groups saying, Hey, can you help me? You know, we're in our fourth CA this year, or I can't find an associate. And so I started kind of doing consulting, just looking, yeah. kind of telling people who they needed to find. And I think by the 50th person, Josh, that was like, can you find that person? I was like, no, we don't, I don't do that. By the 50th person, I thought maybe we need to learn how to do some recruiting here. And that's how that yeah. business was born and, and, and evolved into what it is today. It's, it's funny. Uh, you remind me of a friend of mine who owned a gym in uh, like Manhattan area. And yeah. uh, he was saying that, you know, owning a gym is you're, you're up at 415. You're there by 450. Your first class starts at 5 a.m. Right. And you're doing all these things. And then in between there, you got to do client assessments and put together programs and blah, blah, blah. And if you're lucky, you're getting out of there at seven o'clock. And he's like, when you're a gym owner in Manhattan, you're not living in the city because you can't afford that. Right. So you got a <laughs> hour subway ride. Blah, 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 blah. And so he finally finds this perfect trainer that loves doing client assessments, can 
program like nobody's business. He's like, yeah, I'm a morning person. I'll I'll do the, you know, I'll, if it's all right with you, I'll cover the 5 a.m. class, but I'll go home at one or two. And my buddy, you know, my buddy's like, this is an angel. I mean, God has gifted me and tapped me on the, the head. This is great. You know, my life is easy. Clients are just raving about him, blah, blah, blah. And uh, about seven months in, uh, he gets a text from the guy at 3.30 in the morning. Hey, uh, I quit. I'm not going to be able to cover your 5 a.m. class. So it was 3.30 in the morning, right? Turns out the guy had opened a place down the street and took 65% of my buddy's clients. 65%. Same. The ethics on that are It gets gutsy, right? Yeah. But the flip side is, is we get, uh, it's a, what do you call that? It's, it's a dangerous game because that is what we're looking for in that moment. We're looking for this person who will solve our problems, quote unquote, right? We're looking for the person that doesn't need a whole lot of direction because they're going to take the initiative. Well, initiative also means they have the initiative to start their own thing, right? And so in a weird way, what would be better is the person that's like, I need a lot of structure. I need a lot of rules because that lack of, or the lack of structure of going on your own is the insurance for them to not leave, right? They're like, Hey, I know I can predict this. It's repeatable. It's that, that's not you. That's not me, but that is a lot of, uh, of some folks. I know that's a lot of the best associate is that looking for structure and whatnot. Um, but I would love to get your input where there's, where there seems to be conflict is those people come in and say, let me see the SOP, right? Let me see the employee manual that you have written out. Uh, let me see the training videos on this. And in a small business, it's like, uh, yeah, we don't have that, you know, follow me yeah. for a day and then I'll set you off on your own. And it's like, this is a mismatch, constant mismatch. So here's some data for you, Josh. Uh, we estimate we've done thousands of pro scans now on chiropractors. And so we probably have more data on this than anybody. And right around 10%, 10% of chiropractors are very entrepreneurial. Um, about 20% sit in the middle and about somewhere 70% are a little north of that 73% are what we call caregivers. They're clinicians. You know, they would in another life would have made a great engineer, architect, mm. um, attorney, certain attorneys. Um, they're detailed, oriented, structured people. And, and chiropractic as this entrepreneurial business has never known what to do with those people because most of the time when you were that wired that way, you, you didn't make a good enough living. So you ended up having to get into practice on your own and, right. and some figured it out and some didn't, but they didn't really sign up to be a business owner. Whereas the entrepreneurs, the one you just described, the, the gym guy, they're, they're, they have low patience. Um, they're big vision people, you know, and, and as soon as they can figure out how to do it on their own, they're going to. We call them a flight risk. And, and a lot of chiropractors have that story. I did. They bring somebody in, they train them up. They Yeah. And still to this day, we still get people that came out of that model where they want to compensate people that way, Josh. Like, well, we'll pay them a thirty, forty thousand, $50,000 base. And then if you grow this, you know, every conversion or this many adjustments, well, and so you can make like $200,000, $300,000 well, the problem is the person who's wired to succeed in that model is going to go on their own the very second they get an opportunity to, because <laughs> if they can do that, why would they do it You know, for somebody else? Yeah. But 70% of our profession and more and more of students these days, they, have no, they don't want to own a business and they know it. They're like, oh, the headache, the payroll stress, like, and a lot of them, it's not even an option to get the capital. And so they just want a good home and you just hit it right. A, a true um, caregiver chiropractor, somebody who didn't go to school to be a business owner, but they want to be a healer. They want to be a doctor. They're motivated by stability, predictability, systems, and the number one metric for their satisfaction is training. So if you onboard them and you can say, Interesting. here's our 90-day training program, here's our SOP, Here's what day one through day 90 training is going to look like. Here's the benchmarks. Here's what the job description is. Here's what's expected of you on the KPIs. You know, A players love to be measured. C players hate to be measured. So all of a sudden now you find a great environment. And that's what I then learned the next step after I figured out this behavioral personality thing. I realized, okay, I, 
I want the guy who's never going to give me that call at 3 a.m. And the entrepreneur is the guy who's going to call you and screw you over because they found their own thing. Their loyalty marketers tend to be very low. But right. it's like the, the, do- the docs I love, they're super predictable that, you know, they're, they're, they're loyal, they're consistent, they're detailed, they're good people. They're not going to screw you over. And if you take great care of them, they will stay with you for a career. But, you know, great care of them is not an eighty, ninety thousand dollars salary. It, it's it's one hundred twenty five, one hundred fifty, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars salary. They can actually have a great life. And if you can provide that environment and those systems, then those people will thrive. They'll love, you know, and it's not that you're really employing them. You're almost collaborating and you're, you're physicians. So it's not I'm the boss, you're the associate. It's more of a more of a clinical relationship that we've seen work well time and time again. And Josh, now we're seeing in the profession is that gap where people who figured this out, they put all their energy into the systems and finding the right people and and, and building these really stable businesses. And then you got the other end of people that are still kind of shooting from the hip who haven't learned what you figured out and what we just talked about with the kind of person you find and the kind of systems you bring them into. So yeah, follow me. You know, show just, I don't know, I do a report from my gut and here's what I do. And, and then they're shocked that people, we hear it all the time. They're so angry and they want to fire their associate because they went to a screening and they only signed up one person and they don't realize, dude, that person hated doing that screening. They were just loyal to you because you wanted them to do it and you're about to fire them, but they, your patients love them. They're here every day. Like, it's just, I had my story yeah. here because well, I had a buddy who was a dentist I'm sorry. Not let me jump in real quick. Let me oh, yeah. let me jump in real quick. I just want to. Uh, uh, you're you're one of those guys. Super easy to interview because you ask one question and it's like <laughs> you know hours of content. But I want I want to just highlight one point you made, which I think is really important. You said that the metric those people use for success is training, and I I think that's worthy of of highlighting because you know there's the saying in business where you got to remember you are not your customer right? Like your customer, like in the chiropractic, they're looking for a ton of guidance. They don't know anything about biology. And that's what we provide, right? Is, hey, I'm going to guide you through this biological recovery. Um, but in those people, you know, you may be sitting there as a chiro looking to hire somebody and you make an offer like, hey, you can make up to $200,000 a year, $300,000, and their face just doesn't change, right? There's no sparkle, there's no nothing. Whereas if you said, uh, you know, here's, here's our systems. Let me show you the next year's worth of weekly, uh, uh, staff meeting and trainings. Here's what the subjects we're going to cover. Here's the handouts we have. Here's the SOPs. If you go up here to the front desk, here's the front desk procedure manual. Here's this, here's exactly how we want you to chart. They start getting excited about that because they, they see structure as what you and I see. If I said, Hey, here's, the possibility of making 300,000, you're like, oh, that's sparkly. If I go, well, here's an, uh, a procedure manual. You're like, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not even going to crack it open. Like maybe I will out of respect. <laughs> but, yeah. but those two things are often in conflict. But I want to highlight that because I think uh, so many people think I got to offer the world financially, right? So many clinicians go, oh, I got to pay a crazy amount. And what I'm hearing from you is you have to pay a good amount. You have to pay a fair amount in the market. But if you instead can spend, I mean, the way I would think about it is if you could spend $5,000 putting together these, these manuals and stuff, you will be able to 10, get a 10 times return on that for every person you hire who likes that kind of stuff. Yeah, Josh, there's um, A players make great businesses. And if there's one thing that's really clear in chiropractic is a lot of people are getting the C players in chiropractic because they're paying 70, 80, 90,000. It's fascinating when you have good systems in place, a solid business, and you're willing to pay a little bit more, all of a sudden the A players, they're already employed. People don't realize this. They're not going to leave their job for your 80, Mm -hmm. $90,000 job, but they might leave their clinic for your $115,000 job and you have great systems and protocols and procedures. And here's the key. Back, so the story I was going to tell, I had a, I used to be in a CEO group and there's a plumber in the group and he had a beautiful $20 million business that he would go on vacation every summer for three months. 
Um, and he's like, Alan, every one of my plumbers has been with me over 20 years. Uh, he said, I pay him more than every other plumber in the city and they know it. And they do one thing, they're plumbers. He said, my competitors have them trying to upsell people. Um, when they're not busy, they have them, you know, going handing out flyers. They have, he's like, I have a marketing team that does my marketing. I have plumbers that do the plumbing. I have an office manager that does office manager and I have somebody that handles the bids and I have an accountant handle the accounting. He's like, this was back early in my clinics. He's like, you have your chiropractors at these screenings. You have them doing sales. You have them doing the clinic care. He's like, they didn't go to school for all that. He said, my advice is if you could have them doing one thing really well and you pay them well for it, they're going to be a lot happier. And, and I really took that advice and to bring it back to VA and VCAs, that's where I realized many years ago, and I've been using executive assistants and, and, and now the last five years, virtual assistants before we had the idea to, to do this for the profession. It was my secret. Um, cause I could delegate, you know, instead of having a CA sit on the phone for a half hour with an insurance agency, I can have somebody else do that who, who's actually college educated, who loves it and who I pay a fraction of the price. And I can have my CA interacting with the patients. You know, I, right. I, I love APIs. I want reporting and numbers at the end of each day. Well, it's hard to find people that really love doing that or at least affordably love doing that. So we outsourced that. And then when social media came along, I realized, wow, all the agencies we'd use would always talk about, you know, my ads would work a lot better if you were putting out your own content and engaging with people and just having a true page, not just buying my ads. And I thought, well, I don't have the time to comment and follow and like. So we outsourced that to a, a VCA. And, and so then we just decided, huh, there's a lot of these, you know, in my is having overseeing all these different um, entities, you know, I have VCAs that manage emails and my calendars and my schedules and my travel. And you just start to realize the more you can specialize in what you like and the more you can keep your team specializing in what they like. Phones are a big one now. We answer a lot of phones for a lot of, we have clinic owners that have never had good luck with CAs. So we are their virtual CA and we answer their phones and we do patient communication. And then we have other businesses where they're in the middle of, they maybe need their third CA or their second CA, but if they could outsource some of the stuff, they could take their A player and, and stretch them further and get them doing more of the things they like. And now we're getting more bigger practices that are actually cutting back staff. They're getting rid of their back offices because they don't need somebody to do that when they can do it, you know, out through us. And, and the, the key, I think here, Josh, is what we realized. We applied what we've learned and you were just saying with the training. And so we developed a really robust um, chiropractic assistant training. So, and then the, our, our teams are all offshore. So they're out of Honduras, Mexico, uh, and the Philippines primarily. And so, um, you know, we really needed to teach them what chiropractic is and then the lingo of chiropractic. And so we started, like you just said, we built the training program. But by the way, the other part of the story is we've been using VCAs for our recruiting business because everybody that applies, we have to fill out, um, we have them fill out that pro scan I told you about to do a behavioral assessment. And then we use cognitive assessments so we could see their processing power and then we have to review their resumes and we pre-interview them. And, and, and then we have to track, you know, hundreds, hundreds of chiropractors we're talking to every day. And it's just a lot of tedious data work. So we started using VAs a couple of years ago and it really changed our business and made us more efficient. And then about half of our calls, Josh, you'll appreciate this. We get on the phone with the doc and they think they want an associate. And, and one of the first things we'll do is just put the numbers to it. How much did your clinic make last year? How much did you take home of that? And, and very commonly, the average for chiropractors is somewhere between 400,000 and 700,000. Well, the truth is for most clinics at five, 600,000, the doc's taken home a hunt owner. The you know, practice owner's taken home maybe 150, maybe 200. But so they can't afford to bring on an associate and pay that associate 100,000 plus because that's coming out of their pocket. So about half of our calls were like, doc, we'd love to help you, but you need to grow this two or $300,000 so you can afford 
to pay the associate to get the A player who's going to help support you and not take money out of your pocket. That's why you see these funky comp plans of, oh, we'll pay you a, a really low base, but if you grow it, we'll give you a, a huge upside. And it's like, yeah, that guy's not going to, that woman's not going to work for you long and, and bring the stability to your business so you can actually buy back your time freedom, have some flexibility, which your your gym friend all of a sudden loved not having to be there at five in the morning. Yeah. So. So that's been the arc of how we then landed on these specialists. And we, we started realizing, is there something we could do to help these offices grow two or $300,000? And we started asking docs, are there things that you know you should be doing in your business that aren't getting done or things you hate doing? Because almost always, doc, your best money is spent with hands-on people or educating people, not creating your stats or your bookkeeping or your insurance filing or your notes or whatever it is. And, and so we had success with some docs, you know, we were able to take the low priority stuff off, increase their bandwidth. The clinic goes up a few hundred thousand. Now they can actually buy back their time freedom by appropriately hiring the right associate doctor. And that's how this was born. And so then we thought, well, gosh, maybe there's something here. So we built the training program we actually have our VCAs work for us. And the big lift too that was odd is, you know, most countries, they have a lot of laws about hiring. And so what's typical, you could go Google right now, hire a virtual assistant, and you'll see all kinds of uh, ads. All of those people work through agencies and then the agency subs out somebody. And we did that initially, Josh, and it really hurt us because we didn't really have control of the training, their equipment. So we spent about a year learning how to establish our entities in those countries. So the, these people actually work for us. They're employed by us. We pay them. We train them so that we can so they're actually specialists. Be, they're specialists in a chiropractic office. Like what they you're saying. are. And we're willing to put our name on it because in you know, the way we're structured, we actually yeah. have our, on, our onshore team manages every job, learns mm-hmm. the SOP. We actually do what you were saying earlier. Most docs show up. I, I like this, but... I don't have any yeah. SOP on my phones or my, and so we actually build it for them and that gives us redundancy. So if a VCA is not working out, they don't have any downtime. Yeah. We cross train so we can jump in on the jobs. Anyways, it's been a fun exercise is my point in putting together my entrepreneurial career, my chiropractic career. And um, yeah, the neat thing is it's been really well received in the profession. We're just, uh, it's really fun helping yep. these these practices when all of a sudden they can cut their right. labor costs, you know, yeah. sometimes by, by 40%. Take, take a breath here. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself some Gatorade, man. You're, you're, you're spilling up all this energy. I'm worried about you fading, but I, I think you have an unending amount of energy. <laughs> now, um, I just, I want to highlight a couple of things here because I think you have gone down this path a long time, right? This, this path of like offshore, you know, using a, a let me back up a little bit. It's very common in a chiropractic office, dental office, local accounting office that as new projects come up, who do you hand them to? And it comes down to a trust thing, right? You'll ask somebody in the office to do a task because you trust them. They are not a social media expert, right? They're not trained in marketing, but you go, but I have a good relationship with Stacy. And I trust her that she knows my voice and all these things. So I will hand that task off to her, which can burn us, right? However, I think it's also the barrier to accepting these new models of business, one of which is using a VCA, right? You're like, well, I don't know them. How do I know I can trust them? How do I know that when my pa- they call my patient, that they'll communicate in the way that Stacy would, right? And I think you brought up a couple great points that I hope we can pull out and people listen to. One of which is, um, have you ever read the book, uh, Unreasonable Hospitality? Yeah, great book. Yeah. I love it because for, for any of the listeners, it's written by a guy who was basically the front of house manager at a Michelin star restaurant. And he makes the point multiple times in there that in that model, typically it's always focus on the food. The chef drives the ship. And he said, in their model, they said, no, the the chef can create amazing things, but the service itself needs to stand on its own. And that's why you have a front of house manager and the chef essentially is what they call back of house or kitchen uh, manager. My point being, it's 
worthy in a Michelin star place to have a highly paid person up front doing nothing but the in-person, you know, meet and greet, shaking hands. How are you enjoying your meal? What I heard you say is if you have an on-site VA, which is not required, I'm sorry, on-site CA, which is not required, but if you do, the best thing you can have that person doing is that in-person shake and howdy that you cannot replicate through any other means, right? Make people feel like a million bucks and, but don't task that person with the charting, bookkeeping, insurance, uh, you know, pre-offs and all that stuff, because you're sucking that value out of that person by asking him to do a task that can be done offsite, off hours, overseas, whatever, right? So that's one piece. I hope people are hearing. Like, Josh, let me tell experience. you. Go ahead. Let me give you some additional point to that that I've always found fascinating. Who are the lowest paid people in almost any business? It's the people interacting with the customers, the checkout cashiers, the. That's true. The server. And I've always found, you just hit what always was odd to me is those are the most important. They're interfacing with your customer and they're the lowest paid person. I've always thought that model was backwards and I've always worked to flip it. And you just hit the reason, unpack the reason. If you can get them not doing the low priority stuff, how valuable is that CA that knows everybody's name, that loves on everybody, that knows their schedules? That's worth so much more to your practice than them sitting on a phone for 30 minutes to get an insurance verification. And and you just hit the nail on the head with an odd thing in business that nobody talks about. You'd think the highest paid people. So our call centers, we always promoted our best CAs into my call centers. And so to your point, that's how you do quality control is you can pull every call that one of our VCAs is on and listen we train with you. We do weekly check-ins and report cards. So when our owners have confidence that we're we're representing them the way they want to be represented, the stress that takes off of a CA leaving you and all of a sudden you're high and dry, now you've got some redundancy behind you that if a CA leaves, you don't just totally hit the skid. Stuff's still getting done. Yet another point. What yeah. else? Are- I was going to say, uh, in this new newish model of using. Uh, non uh, uh, the term i want to non-local labor somebody who's not working in your office right yep. is i think for a lot of healthcare providers is a little bit of a stretch because there's they've never experienced that right they've never had felt that model and seen seen what it can do but i will i will say from experience and it's obvious that you have this experience too i have quite a few vAs that i've worked with and when you get over that hump of trusting them like i have one right now her name's ella she's incredible she can take any project and get it done. And I know it'll get done. I can, I could give her any password I want. Now, I'm not saying to do this. I'm just saying we have such a high level of trust. I could give her any password. I would let her go into banking, my, you know, my bank software to pay invoices because we have that high level of trust, even though physically, hell, we've never been in the same hemisphere, let alone the same room, right? But I think that that trust level is one thing where people are like, oh, I don't want to hand this off. I don't want to ask them to do that because I think inherently what's the friction in that is knowing that you can, in fact, trust that person with tasks that you deem as, hey, this is my business. Like, this is something I care about deeply, right? And, you know, there's portals now that we use that so we can access bank accounts but not have the owners can control the password so they don't have the passwords where our whole team's HIPAA certified. We're in a lot of our clients, EHR systems. We set up a separate admin. So we isolate them, but you just said something, Josh, that is the secret that I think there's two secrets here. One is what I talked about earlier with the behavioral stuff. Um, Chiropractors never have been taught that. And that was a real, you know, all of these other industries, they don't sit down for an interview without making sure the person that they're in front of behaviorally matches the role they have. And so that was interesting. And the other one is every great business owner and entrepreneur who's really successful has a team of executive assistants, administrative assistants, virtual assistants behind them to delegate. And a lot of chiropractors have never, you're right, all healthcare practitioners, it's because you just get caught in this thing of, well, I'm the doctor, I have to do the doctoring. But there's so many other things that happen behind that. And when you free up your bandwidth, 
I have a basic concept that comes from strength finders. If you spend your time doing what you're most gifted at, that's when your businesses explode. When you're spending time doing the other 10 things that you can do, but you don't love them, they don't energize you, and you're probably not even that good at them, you get those businesses get stagnant. And so you figure that out. It's where your successes come from, Josh, is delegate. There's a book I read last year called Who Not How. Man, does that ever sum it up? You know, it's not how do I get this done? It's who do I know that can get this done? And all of a sudden now when you can affordably hire people at $11, $12 an hour with college degrees who are pharmacists, who are bookkeepers, I think some yeah. that's another thing. People have this con- con- concept that they're like hiring slave labor from another country. No, you're hiring highly educated professionals and we're paying them a great wage um, above what they'll earn in their educated profession in their yeah. country to be your assistant. So it's really a cool win-win, but it, it's the secret most entrepreneurs never learn. They never learn. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about a year and a half ago, uh, I had a VA and she's like, hey, um, I, I requested this time off. I, I won't be on on Thursday and Friday of next week. And I was like, okay, what, you know, just out of curiosity, what's going That's fine. Like, I, I you know, appreciate you giving me a heads up. And she had everything planned out. So this is going to post here and I have this loaded and all this stuff. I go, why are you taking off? And I knew she had gone to college, right? But she said, oh, um, in my country, the only time to take the professional engineers test is it's only offered three times a year and I'm taking it next Thursday and Friday. Like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, that's, I'm a civil engineer, but you have to get this additional certification. I'm like, hold on a second. You're doing this, like you're posting social media stuff for me and you have a degree in engineering to the point where you're going to take this professional test. She's like, yeah, it's just you pay better than than that does right now. I was like, what? And man, did that tell me when we talk about, oh, you can get non-local labor. It's not, uh, it's not going, you know that a lot of chiropractic offices, like when they're looking for front desk staff often go, oh, who has a, a son or daughter in high school, right? Or who has a son or daughter that's, you know, in, in college age or whatever. No other qualifications required. No, no profile like what you're talking about. And, and so you're, you're admittingly having somebody that has maybe a high school education or is working on it. And here I'm getting labor probably cheaper than that of somebody who's literally taking their professional engineering test. And I'm like, this is an incredible uh, proposition why wouldn't everybody take advantage of this? Why, you know, like, because the, the, you know, if you just think of what are they capable of, if they are capable of graduating college and taking a professional engineering degree, and it's like, well, probably anything I'm capable of short of putting a hand, hands on people locally, right? Like they can't do that. But if you give them a, a, hey, can you build a calendar and a program and a binder for training people? Can you put together these training videos in a logical order that can help us have a, a a great system and blah, blah, you're not asking them to launch to the moon. They're well, that's well within their capabilities. So that leads me to this question I want to ask you and is in your experience, what are the things people think are impossible to ask these VCAs to do that you're like, that's well within their wheelhouse because it's not all menial tasks, right? Like, but no, no, you know, the, I'll, I'll twist that just a touch. What I find the problem with chiropractors is, is they go, huh, I don't think I have that much I could, I could send out. And once you get used to delegating, all of a sudden your eyes get open to, to all kinds of things, managing simple things. You know, the, my favorite ones actually, Josh, are like when somebody wants to bring in a new merchant account or an EHR, or we had somebody the other day looking at like all the different versions of soft waves and, you know, shock waves. And there's several of those. Oh, evaluating new equipment, basically. Have a VA call, go through, get the pricing and create a spreadsheet so that now you can call one or two places instead of you having to call and Mm. listen to five sales pitches for different merchant accounts or EHR systems. So that's a great one. Uh, research in your community is a big one. You know, chiropractors don't, you know, what's the average person, what's your competition doing? You know, we shop our competition once a quarter. How do they answer the phone? What are their rates? Like just being, you know, what services are they offering? That's something that a lot of times chiropractors don't think to do when you have a VA you can do. Um, A lot of 
trust is part of this, but as people build trust, email is a huge one. Just, just, you know, we have systems, you can set up files. So there's priority files and they can just weed out so much riffraff so that instead of either not tending your email enough or getting in all day long, you can get in once or twice a day at a set time, you know, what's important and you have to tend to, and then you end up, a lot of times being able to delegate out a bigger chunk of then that, that, you know, that's a business owner. Hey, we need bank statements for this, for the loan document. We need, you know, we have our VAs reconcile accounts for docs. KPIs are maybe the one that docs never think of that, you know, any good business owner, I want my stats daily. Um, and so have in a lot of, you know, sometimes you have staff that likes doing it, but a lot of times you got to know how to go into the EHR. And, you know, if you know what, what were the visits today and how's our reoccurring revenue trending and our, you know, what are our new patient numbers and our conversion rates and it, those that do insurance, what percentage are we collecting of what we're billing? Like just the more insight you have into your business, your business will be better. I mean, here's a good one that we just started tracking in our company. So, our, so you're saying having the VA assemble those every day and just deliver them by whatever, yeah. 5 p.m. Okay. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we had two stats this last week that jumped out. One was um, our show rate on new patients had really taken a hit. And 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 so mm-hmm. we started, and we wouldn't have known that had we not seen the number trending and then start trending downward. Well, it turns out that some link for our text reminder had been broken. And so... Those weren't going out. And and that might have been months that we didn't notice it. Another big one is we have RVAs. um, We call them quality control agents. They just try to troubleshoot stuff. They just go through the website every couple of weeks, check every link. You'd be surprised how often your schedule link's not working or the Google map link's not working. Mm. We have them look for our ads if we're doing Google ads or Facebook ads. Does everything work through the go high level system? so good text did I get back? What email? It's just, and then you kind of touched on it. We do, we have a whole team that does like the, you know, the content creation and the film editing and the graphics. But to me, the more fun one and in some ways more valuable is that I call it being a good steward of your social media. Like, so we have a VA that, and for several of our clients, like any new person that follows your office page, they send a DM right away just welcoming them and, and offering, Hey, is there anything I can help? And, and we have our VAs create our own lead magnets and our VAs now know AI. So they can go in and create a lead magnet and, and, and then give it to the doc to just, you know, I want to create a, a, a lead magnet, an ebook on nutrition, on low back pain, on shockwave, whatever they're doing. And now they can offer that. So, Hey, thanks for following our page. Hey, we've got a new stretch guide. We'd love to offer you. And if we ever have any questions, we'd love to help you're not advertising. You're just being a good steward. You know, they, they like all of the people you follow. We'll give them lists to go follow um, our, our clients on Instagram. So people can see the office and now they're remembering the office and they're seeing the culture of the office. And so there's just also email lists. We do a lot of data. I talked about KPIs, but a lot of the more on top of it offices have us scrubbing their email lists for, you know, who, who are the dropouts are tagged one way. People yeah. who opted it, opted in but never came in or another tag, existing mm-hmm. current people that are active, inactive patients. And so then they'll mm-hmm. set up different email campaigns. It's just bookkeeping's a big one. Um, you know, it's just it, it's 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 the a lot of the parts yeah. of the business. If it doesn't require you face to face, you probably shouldn't be doing it yourself and having somebody in your office because you know, today's good CAs are gonna cost $25 an hour. You might get lucky and find a great one at eighteen or twenty. If you can, if you can get them to show up to the interview. I mean, exactly. So many people are telling me that less than half of the people that they've scheduled for an in-person interview are even showing up to it, let alone passing. Right. So, so I'd rather pay twenty-five dollars an hour and have one CA who's a rock star. Who you know, a lot dentals had this right. They've always paid about five to seven dollars an hour above what chiropractors do. And these, you you just, you go to the dentist, that's always the same lady. Um, They used to be like 22 to 25 an hour when I was paying 13, 15. Now they're 30, 35 an hour when chiros are paying 20, 25. But you get what you pay for, Josh. It's back to the associate things too. It's amazing when you bump that 
salary above a hundred thousand, the quality of doc that all of a sudden you're interviewing, it's drastic. The qual the the cognitive assessments we use when you go from eighteen dollars to twenty five dollars, all of a sudden now people are scoring sixties and seventies. People do know their worth, and you get what you pay for. That's the cool thing about the VAs is we do cognitive assessments on our VCAs as well. So you're Mm-hmm. To your story, you're getting the engineers. And so anyways, it's a fun, I could talk as you can hear for hours. It's, yeah. it just makes business. It's hard being a chiropractor. There's a lot to it. And if you can stabilize parts of the practice that become redundant, that you're, you're not so dependent on one person holding you by the neck, it really gives you a lot of freedom to then start pressing into the areas yeah. of your own gifts and talents in your practice. Yeah. One, one way I, I've, uh, recently heard too of something that I was like, that's genius is, you know, I do a lot of like sports science assessment. I love doing like 3d analysis and video analysis and all this stuff. And, uh, a friend of mine who's a golf instructor, he loves doing it. But one of the issues is he's out on the range. So he films out on the range with his iPhone and he's like trying to do video editing out there, you know, to get the person in the perfect frame, draw the lines that you want, you know, the circle, blah, blah, blah. It's tough. And he's like, my iPad's constantly running out of juice. It's just a nightmare scenario, right? So what he does now is he uploads it to a Google Drive, has it built so that when that Google Drive gets a new folder, pings his VA, she jumps in there, edits it. Within 15 minutes while he's doing the warm-up and the lesson, right? He gets a text back with, here's the images, which has already been emailed to the client, right? And he can discuss that. And I'm like, that is so freaking smart because he is like, what can I, what can I, I only do standing on this green grass with my client? I'm going to do that. I'm going to have my, my VA do the things that can be done offsite and at a very much a higher quality, right? Like trying to edit standing on the driving range is, is a bad, you're going to kind of be sloppy. We have uh, it's a number of clients who have us, they, their, their associates were like stitching x-rays together in like Photoshop so they could show like a full spine or it's like, well, you're paying an associate to do graphic, you know, film yeah. editing, like outsource that. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I never. And you'll find I, some, it's a professional level of film editing. Absolutely. That's yeah. so back to your question. That's why I just say it's the stuff that people, once your eyes are open to the stuff you can start delegating, it's yeah. a new world as an entrepreneur and you start now you can put your time towards what you can do. That's important instead of all the other stuff. That's one thing that I hope people take away from this interview and a couple other interviews we've done recently is assume nothing is fixed. It's like that. Uh, Steve, Steve jobs had that quote, like, you know, all, all these walls around us are just made up, you know, <laughs> they're just, they are because this idea of like, um, what year did you graduate chiropractic college, Alan? 2003. Yeah, me too. Or, I'm sorry. I started in 2003. I ended in 2006. But, sure. you know, this idea of like, you had to have an office, a back office for your insurance billing person, you know, and it's like, well, who says anymore we have to have that physical space and that that has to be done on site? It doesn't. Yeah. The reason for that was I had to, I've said this before, but I had to hand you a paper chart and be like, Alan, here is Joe Smith's records. Well, with okay. his electronic you can beam it across the street, upstairs, back to your house, across the, the globe, wherever, electronically, and it's safe. So we don't have to have that. How about submitting your, your CE credits for, you know, relicensure? Do you get any bonus points if that's done by somebody in the States versus, you know, overseas? You don't. And there's so many things along the line, like, like you said, like vetting, uh, vetting resumes. There's, there's no bonus structure if we do it here or there or wherever. And if you yeah. just come down to those things and then you look at, yeah, you could have it done wherever for a whole lot less. Plus there's less sunk cost for you. You don't have a separate office. You don't have a separate computer. You don't have to provide those things. It just starts mounting and it becomes an incredible approach to business. But I just tell everybody, like, don't assume that you have to do it like the person who taught you did things that that is a dangerous place to be the big one that was a game changer for our clinics was the outbound team um you know people come through and if they didn't convert or start you know they might have got on our email list at best you know now we have outbound teams that we're deploying for offices all over the place and and just calling yeah you haven't been in to see the doc in a year check in to make sure you're doing all right hey he created a new she created a new ebook 
it's you'd be shocked when you just have you're just reaching out to people who opted into your stuff over the years how much new business comes from people that already know you and oh, like God. you in your ecosystem it just the list goes on and on and on and on and it's it's um again it's interesting talking to to guys like you doc who've had a lot of success the, you figured this out whether it was an eightly or somebody taught you and and a lot of times people just don't see that that correlates you're spending more of the time using your gifts to do what you like to do which makes business more fun and you're better at it than doing all the other stuff the editing of this podcast the posting of it all the stuff that's behind I'm the scenes i'm not going to touch it yeah no so that that's it that's the that's the concept that's simple and if i did if i was the one involved in that it would probably come out pretty crappy so i'm super <laughs> glad we have a team that's great at it you know and actually our podcast editor is uh based in nova scotia and i'm in las yeah. vegas like you know, yep. no, the world, crazy. the world has gotten small. And, and I just think again, chiropractors are, and I will say we have another staffing company that we service all other businesses called ideal okay. teams. Chiro matchmakers, a specific chiropractors are, are such a unique group. I will tell you, that's why we had to, um, not use our VAs from that side of the business, but we actually have to train people specific to chiropractic because it is a unique profession. It is, there's so much nuance to it mm. that um, we found just kind of bringing people up to speed goes faster. So anyhow, it's, uh, I appreciate you having me on, Josh. I've got to jump, but uh, yeah, I man, love what you're been, doing, man. This has been super insightful. I, uh, I would love to have you back and talk more about that, that, what'd you call it? The pro the, the way you cognitively and, and personality. Oh yeah. The pros, the, the pro scan, the cognitive ability. Yeah. yeah. That's that, that's man. If you're busy, you don't have time to waste to sit in front of somebody to interview them. And as chiropractors, we love everybody. And so if they make a good impression, you know, you know, most of us have made bad hires and you can, you can measure all of that before they ever sit in front of you. So you know what you're getting into. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's do it again sometime, Alan. So on behalf brother. of, yeah, of Dr. Alan Miner uh, with ChiroMatchmakers.com. By the way, I think we should just throw that out in case they want to get a hold of your services. <laughs> ChiroMatchmakers.com. This is Dr. Josh Sather saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Alan, thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank it, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to ClinicGymHybrid.com. Again, that's Clinic gymhybrid.com you can check us out there got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients